afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 12th installment of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. Now, in last week's episode, we talked about some of the most unbelievable pitching displays that the MLB has ever seen, and I explained how to get some of the most impressive achievements a pitcher can get that only comes around once every blue moon, so to speak. But this week, I want to talk a bit about the MLB Hall of Fame. In a lot of other episodes of this podcast, I talk about the Hall of Fame and some Hall of Famers that were inducted due to their impact on the sport and really what it takes to be inducted into the Hall of Fame just in general. Now, I was really excited to make this podcast after watching the MLB Hall of Fame reveal, which happened in January, and break down all of the picks that were made and talk about the controversy surrounding it and the players who were inducted and so on and so forth. However, something weird happened. Something that hadn't actually happened since 2013. On January 26th, 2021, the Baseball Writers Association of America decided that there would be no players elected into the Hall of Fame. None. As a matter of fact, there were 14 writers who decided to just send their ballots in completely blank, a new record for the committee. The craziest thing about this is that the Baseball Writers Association of America and the Hall of Fame committee, and the Veterans Committee for that matter, as a whole didn't even vote in any old-time guys or players that didn't quite make it. Now, when I talk about the veteran committee, it's a group of former baseball players, most of which are Hall of Fame players or their executives or media and baseball historians and whatnot. Now, this committee votes on the players from other eras that weren't voted into the Hall of Fame when they were eligible and they decide if they were still good enough to make it into the Hall of Fame now. But 2021 was different. No one in any committee decided to put anyone into the halls of Cooperstown. So, for the first time since 1960, there will be no Hall of Fame class. Now, as you can imagine, many people, including many players that were on the ballot, but also a lot of fans and current players and whatnot, had a little bit of a bone to pick about this decision. Kurt Schilling was the closest one to that magical 75% number at 71.1% of votes. Now, after the decision was made, Schilling said that he will not participate in his final year of voting. This was his ninth year on the ballot. Next year would be his tenth. He, he said in a statement to the MLB Hall of Fame that he was requesting to be removed from the ballot and that he'd defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. <sighs> Lots of back there. I mean, wow. You have to imagine the kind of message that this sends to the Baseball Writers Committee as well as everyone involved in the entire decision-making process when it comes to the MLB Hall of Fame. I mean, nothing really good came out of this Hall of Fame year. I think that you could argue that there was a little bit of good 
with a few players gaining a lot of ground in the amount of votes that they got. I mean, after all, Scott Rollin, who was the Phillies, Cardinals, Blue Jays, and Reds third baseman, gained about 17.6% of the vote that he needed, but he was the biggest change. Todd Helton also gained about 15.7%, and Andrew Jones went up about 13.6% as well. But none of them got close to the 75% of votes that they need to get into the Hall of Fame just in general. I mean, these were the biggest gains by far. I mean, Kurt Schilling is understandably really frustrated because in his ninth year, he only went up 1.1%. And even worse, Roger Clemens, who was the next best, went up 0.6 of a percent. Now, it would seem the votes, I mean, although 14 of them uh, were sent in blank, have kind of put these players that are really close to that magical 75% at a bit of a stalemate. I mean, with Clemens and Schilling going into their final year on the ballot, I mean, their cases have to be made for sure. Because if this same thing happens again, if what happened in 2021 happens again in 2022, I mean, it's possible that chilling Clemens, a bunch of players on the ballot right now, won't make the Hall of Fame. I mean, you can see why Schilling and all of these players are so upset about this decision. Because based on their advances in the votes, especially in the past few years, I mean, they should easily be in the induction range. Gaining 5 to 10% every year just to all of a sudden stop dead right before your final year of voting and get 1% of the vote. It just shouldn't happen. But instead, these players are just going to start asking to be taken off the ballot and to settle in the hands of the Veterans Committee after a little bit. So, you may be asking why so many writers decided to turn in blank ballots, and I believe that there could be a few reasons. But before I get into that, I want to point out that no players who were suspected of or caught with PEDs got voted in. Most, like Barry Bonds and Gary Sheffield, made little ground in the percent of votes, going pretty deep into their years on the ballot, but none of them were voted in. And this brings me to what I believe is a big reason behind this kind of unusual turn of events. Now, I don't have a lot of evidence to back any of this up, but it makes sense if you put yourself into the shoes of the writers. I talked about how controversial letting these PED users into the Hall of Fame might be, and I can't imagine you would want to be one of the writers or be part of the group of writers that always has to explain themselves on why they voted in a, well, arguably named cheater into Cooperstown. I feel that there are a lot of people that feel that these players what they did was still better than one bad choice that they made some point in their career. I mean, after all, they are on the Hall of Fame ballot. But you also have to consider all the other people 
the fans, the readers, their peers, and so on that think that these players never would have performed the way that they did if it wasn't for the PEDs, and therefore should not be in the Hall of Fame, not even questioned to be in the Hall of Fame. And this throws the writers into what could only be described as a very tricky situation, because whether you decide to vote for them or not, there will probably be a lot of people upset with you. A recent New York Times article mirrors these thoughts, saying some writers are opting out of voting at all, saying the Baseball Hall of Fame is making them do the unsavory work of passing judgment on the steroid era, which is true. But a lot of people argue that the writers should be able to look through that and focus on what gets a player elected in the first place. As the Hall of Fame president Tim Mead says every year before he, well, usually announces the Hall of Fame class, a player is judged off of raw talent, of course, but the impact that they had on the game, on the fans, and really just the character of the player as well. Now, this brings me to the next reason. I mean, what I mentioned earlier in the toxicity and the hard decisions that these writers must make in order to try and follow both what they believe and make the people, their readers, their peers happy at the same time is extremely hard. I mean, lots of writers have either opted out or turned down or are even threatening to turn down their vote just because they believe that it's not a reporter's place to make news, but to solely just report on it. And that's a lot of the argument that's kind of being given by the writers to the Hall of Fame committee. They just don't want to be part of it because they shouldn't be the ones making these kinds of decisions, just the ones that should report on these decisions. A lot more writers believe that the Hall of Fame decision should be voted on by the players for the players. I mean, after all, only the players really understand what it took for the players to get on that ballot in the first place, and frankly, I totally agree with that. Now, I understand why the Baseball Writers Association of America is connected to the Hall of Fame, and really given the honor to vote the players in at all. I mean, after all, just to be considered as someone who could vote in this election, you have to be a writer on the baseball beat for at least 10 years. That means that you've seen plenty of players come and go, and plenty of incredible things in that time span. I mean, think of all the great plays, the transactions, the interviews, and the championships that you go through in just 10 years. You see trends in players, and you see the majority of unbelievable careers firsthand, maybe not all of them, but at least a good chunk of them. And then you also start to see what it takes to make a player truly stand out above the rest of them. The writers see the outside world of baseball from a fan's perspective with a little bit more personalized access. And I honestly think that that's the biggest problem. Not too many baseball writers played baseball professionally so it's hard for them to relate to these players' accomplishments. I mean, sure, they can see the stats and plays and have bats, but they don't sit in the player's head. They don't see the mental strain that baseball can put on a player and truly understand what they're going through to put up those kinds of numbers. 
And, I mean, I don't see it either, and honestly, very few can. I mean, it really comes down to other professional baseball players, and Hall of Famers, for that matter, to decide if the ball player in question did what they did and showed the grit, the determination, and the skill to perform as a Hall of Fame baseball player. And not only that, but I feel like other baseball players can consider the character clause, as they put it, because some of the Hall of Famers might see the character that the player has on the field more than the character they see in the media. Like recognizing body language, or even playing on the same or even opposing team as them. I mean, Hall of Famers would have a better time judging each player on the ballot. So what can the MLB and the Hall of Fame do about this problem? I think it would be a good idea to make the Veterans Committee more a part of the yearly Hall of Fame ballot voting and more voting on the current era of baseball instead of past eras. And on top of that, maybe including the rioters' input to an equal degree, maybe lesser depending on if this problem keeps happening. Maybe then the baseball historians and rioters could focus more on the veterans committee votes in trying to get players from other eras into the Hall of Fame and focus more on that instead of worrying about the current area. Now on top of that, Hall of Fame Chairman Jane Forbes Clark said, Now on top of that, Hall of Fame's Chairman Jane Forbes Clark said that the Baseball Writers Association of America voters should share any of their serious concerns with their leadership so that they can be brought to and fully addressed by the Hall of Fame's board of directors. And in a way, I think that bringing it in front of the directors could help resolve the underlying issue that is turning away all these writers and all of the players on the ballot, but I feel like it wouldn't help as much. Now, I know this episode was a little bit different than some of the others, but I feel like it was worth sharing the news of this surprising and really rare turn of events from the 2021 Hall of Fame ballot election. And I really wanted to give my two cents on it because I think it's important that the Hall of Fame might need to consider some changes. And maybe not right now, but as time goes on, before every single baseball writer either resigns their vote or every player that should be on the ballot requests to opt out from it. So next week we'll be going back to something a bit more lighthearted <laughs> than this podcast today and talk about the Chicago Cubs and the 108 year drought that they endured before taking it all in 2016. Thank you for listening.